If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 15 again. Luke chapter 15. Well, it's worth coming to church to hear that. It was a good song. I appreciate that. Let's go here to Luke chapter 15. And there's three uh, parables given in this passage. Uh, One of those deals with what we're dealing this morning, and that is the parable of the lost sheep. The second parable is the parable of the lost uh, coin. And then the third parable is the parable of the lost son. Now, you'll find words that are all in each one of these parables, the word lost. The other one is rejoice. The point is this, is that the context shows us that uh, God is concerned about even the one. All right. Uh, Think about this. One in ninety nine, one in ten and then one in two. Uh, being the, the 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 lost son in the father's house, being one of two sons. And it shows us a little bit of the heart of God or his love. And, uh, and so the backdrop of this uh, story, by the way, he is going to give an earthly story. Uh, it's a parable that's going to show a heavenly meaning, meaning it's going to have significance. And that's what parables are. But if you look in verse number one, watch what it says here. And uh, this is the context. Verse number one, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So here is the context. We have publicans and sinners being drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're coming for the purpose of hearing what he has to say. And uh, it's interesting that... uh, uh, these are publicans. Uh, publican would be someone that uh, would be despised by the large population of the Jewish culture in those days. The publicans were responsible for uh, collecting the taxes from the Jewish people. They were employed by Rome. Uh, many uh, historians tells us that we do know that biblically that they would exact their portion off the top. They lived pretty comfortable lives, but for the most part, they were hated by the Jewish people. Uh, and they were mostly Jewish also. And so uh, they were kind of outcast. The second group of people were the sinners. The sinners were those that did not follow the Mosaic law. They did not go to the synagogue. They did not follow what the Pharisees said. Uh, they were uh, they were those that were despised. They did not mostly follow any of the uh, the, the feast of Israel. They were uh, they were not under that. They did not want to be a part of that. And they were looked down by the religious crowd. And the Pharisees and the scribes would look at them uh, that uh, they were outcasts, being those that were sinners and those who were publicans. And so. This is what sets Luke chapter 15 up is first these two groups of people coming in to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word here is being they were they drew many drew uh, themselves. They were there coming to him. And so these were not cared about. Uh, these were down and outers, so to speak. But the Lord Jesus Christ cares for them. The Lord Jesus Christ looked at them and uh, when no one else did. And in fact, there's a reason that the Lord Jesus Christ is showing this to the uh, group that uh, murmured. And I'll tell about that in a little bit, is that the core of why the Lord Jesus Christ came in the first place is to seek and to save that which was lost. His purpose was to come and save and seek and look and try to find uh, those sinners and receive those sinners. 
And so verse number one tells us that they were, they drew near unto him. Can I just say this real quick that the Lord Jesus Christ loves people. He just loves people. Uh, he loves sinners. Uh, he loves publicans. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter how old you are, your stature, your, uh, your status in life. The Lord Jesus Christ loves People. In fact, people were drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. They just, they love to be around him. The children love to be around him. In fact, you'll find that in, in Matthew chapter 19 that the children were pretty clearly attracted to him. They would come around to hear him uh, speak. And boy, that's a good testimony. When kids are around an adult, uh, they love that particular person, that personality. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ connected with children. Sinners were able, as we find right here, able to approach him. And, and uh, you'll find that uh, all through the Bible, people were attracted to what he had to say. Large crowds would come and listen to uh, what he had to say. But the religious crowd in verse number two were also there. So you have the publicans and the sinners, and then you have the scribes and you have the Pharisees. They're also in this crowd. And you'll find here that they begin to do something. Look, look in verse number two. The Bible says, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, uh, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So the, the story changes somewhat. It was all going great until these guys show up. All right. So the Pharisees and the scribes, they start to look at what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. And he's receiving these sinners and these publicans that were outcast. And they start to murmur. Uh, and one preacher said it this way, that that's one word in the Bible. It doesn't take a whole lot of education to realize what it means. Murmur, murmur, a low tone, a tone that expresses uh, uh, regret, a tone that re uh, expresses uh, 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 disdain, so to speak. And so this is the parable. These religious people that should have been reaching out to the scribes and Pharisees were murmuring that this Messiah, this, uh, this rabbi was eating uh, with them and receiving them. So this is the context. In this parable, Jesus, of course, begins to use some illustrations to try to get this religious crowd to understand something that they did not. And that is the love of God. The love of God. We just heard it in the song. Beautiful song that was sung. Understanding a father's love. Understanding the Savior's love. And as you, as you look at this, they did not have a clue of who God was. And yet they were the religious establishment. They were those that were in charge of the religious duties in Israel in those days. And they, the Bible says they were whited sepulchers. They were, uh, their heart uh, was far from him. Their lips, they drew near, but their heart was far from him. Ladies and gentlemen, can you understand this this morning? That the religion of that day was anti-Christ. They did not have a heart. They, they did not have a heart for people. They did not have a heart for the lost. They did not have a heart for those who are down and outers. They were the Pharisees and the scribes that the Lord Jesus Christ has to deal with, with these parables to get them to understand one that they did not understand, and that is the heart of God. So look here at the lost sheep. You find here that he begins to uh, give them this parable. The first parable, I'm not going to go through all of them today. Next week, we'll look at the next parable. But look in verse number three. 
And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? Now look at the phrase here, until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Now, as you look at this uh, setting here, it goes into, if you would, a countryside. You've got the shepherd there. He's got 100 sheep. And, uh, it's, uh, and, and, and then at some point in the day, he begins to look and give an account, uh, take an account of what he has, uh, and he counts the sheep. And I don't know how difficult that would be, Brother Levi, but he counts his sheep, and he begins to separate them. But he notices that there's one gone out of a hundred. And he may have gone through it again, it doesn't say, but he does account that there's one missing and he knows that there's one missing and in his mind he's the good shepherd we understand it's a type of God it's a type of Christ and it's the good shepherd and the Bible says uh, that he layeth his life down for his sheep he underst- we understand that he is not a hireling he is a good shepherd so I could just deduce from that that he knew what sheep it was He knew the markings of that sheep. It may have had a little black spot on the wool between his eyes or on his back. It doesn't spell out which one. But I do know based on the character and cross-referencing this uh, with other portions of Scripture, we're dealing with a shepherd that knows his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. Jesus knows his people. And you find here that he sees that one is missing. He knows that sheep. He knows what that sheep acts like. He sees that, uh, that little lamb, that sheep on his mind. He knows what, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, what that uh, sheep uh, even walks like and acts like. And so this is agitating to the shepherd. If you were to come to the shepherd after he counted the sheep and found that one was gone, you're not going to have a good conversation with him. He is bothered by this. Uh, He is concerned about it. If his wife would come to say, honey, what is wrong? I lost one of my sheep. If someone were to come to him and, and begin to try to strike up a conversation, every part of his mind is thinking about that sheep. It's gone. He cannot eat until he finds that sheep. He cannot go to bed until he finds that sheep. He cannot go home until he finds that sheep. He will not be able to rest until that sheep is safe and sound back in the fold. So he's motivated to go find that sheep. Now, here's a question we have to ask to the text. It is not spelled out. But the question is, naturally, how did the sheep get lost? Now, I say it this way, in the text, by one step at a time. So one step at a time, the sheep found its way away from the shepherd, the shepherd away from the fold, and he's now lost. He is outside of where the safety is. He's outside of the shepherd's care. He's out there where the wolves are and the lions are and the predatory animals are. And here the sheep is lost. So, so one step at a time. And I'll say this about sheep, that sheep, the Bible says, using a word, a biblical word, the Bible says sheep are dumb, as as the Bible even refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. As he went into the crucifixion, he was silent, he was quiet, he did, listen, he acted as if 
nothing. Listen, he went to the cross. Sheep are quiet, so to speak. I mean, they bleat, but they're quiet. They're, they're, they're dumb, so to speak. They're, they're, they're walking and they're, 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 they're not knowing where they're going. They say that sheep will wander aimlessly in a maze. They don't know how to return home. A camel can, can, can smell, I don't know how he does it, can smell water from miles away. A vulture can see food from hundreds of feet in the air. But a sheep is defenseless. They, they cannot take care of themselves. They, they don't know how to go and find the good pasture. They don't know how to find the water. That's why they need a shepherd. And so the sheep will wander and wander and wander until they're either consumed by an animal or fall because of just absolute no protection. The sheep have no defense. They don't have teeth that they can, they can, they can protect themselves. They not sharp teeth. They don't have claws. They have no way of defending themselves. And I said this to the morning service, uh, when a sheep is away from the, the fold, uh, they start to bleat. They start to, 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 to try to find, out of fear, they try to find where the fold is. And so they bleat, and they trying to find, and they're bleat. Do you realize what that is in the wilderness to a wolf? Lunch. <laughs> or a lion? Oh, dinner. <laughs> they're, they're signaling that they're in a mess. They're signaling that, boy, come and eat me. I'm destroyed. Do you realize that goes right into 1 Peter 5, 8, where the Bible tells us that the devil is as a roaring lion, uh, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize that when a sheep is away from the fold, they're defenseless, they're in great danger, they're in great peril, and they're, if you would, in the realm of Lucifer or darkness uh, ready to pounce and ready to destroy that sheep. That's why this, this shepherd says, I can't go, I cannot go to bed until that sheep is found. I cannot sleep until this sheep is found. And ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, if you're here today, there's three, there's applications uh, all through this. There's one interpretation, but there's many applications in this passage of scripture. One application is that it's dealing with lost sinners. Sinners that are lost. The need to be saved. The other application is for saved people that are lost in their way. They've wandered away. Uh, they've, they've left their first love. They, they've wandered from where they used to be. And by the way, you know this to be true. Ladies and gentlemen watching online, there is many that used to be in church. There are many that used to read the Bible. There are many that used to pray. There are many that used to go out and witness, but they're not doing it anymore. They have wandered away. They're in a different pasture. They're in a different area. They're in a dangerous area. And that's why as you look at the application, there is an application for saved people that wander off. The third application, if you are saved and you're in the fold and you're enjoying all the blessings of God, is that you would deepen your understanding of God's love for you. That that would not be something that's a, a, a peripheral subject. It's something that you are grasping. Not that you will fully be able to understand God's love, but that you can appreciate even the portion of love that God has for you. And so you note here, the shepherd has some compassion. There's one gone. He's not here. He was here on the last mountainside, but it may have been two mountainsides ago, but he's not here. 
And I need to go find him. I need to go find that little uh, lamb. And, and the word lost is in the passage here in verse uh, uh, number four. You find here, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, you find later that, uh, that he was lost and is found. But the word lost, the word lost carries the idea of squandered and uh, ruined and, and ploy, employed to no purpose. Uh, it means to be destroyed. So it's referring to the condition of this sheep. In other words, this little lamb, as I mentioned, is in great danger. In great danger. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, there are people that are out there that have really no clue that they're lost, number one. I mean, you talk to some people and ask them about their salvation, and they say, well, I'm religious, and I'm doing good. I'm trying to get to heaven, or I don't really care. It's not a big concern of mine. There are some that do not know that they're lost. There are some that know that they're lost, but they don't know what to do. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch when he was uh, reading the book of Isaiah and, and he did not know how, how to be saved. He did not know uh, that there was a Messiah, but he knew something was wrong. And Philip got up beside him and showed him and shared with him Jesus Christ. What did he need? He needed someone to, if you would, share and show and guide him to truth. But there are some that are lost and they don't know how to be saved. Then there are some that are lost and they don't know the danger that they're in. They don't know that they're in great, grave danger this morning. Why? Because they're sheep. If you lose a dog, nine times out of the ten, if he doesn't get hit by a car, he's going to come home. If you lo- Anyone knows this, cats always come home. They're always there. And they always come home. They're always there. The cat came back. Okay, so the cats always come back. Dogs always come back. Horses, by the way, we had one uh, horse get out a couple of years ago and Celeste comes in, Elliot's gone and he was in the neighbor's pasture and galloping down the side of the road. And so we're getting in our cars, we're running down County Road 8, we've got people coming and I was like, someone's going to get killed. But watching that horse run was absolutely awesome. It was pretty cool. And he is just galloping, having a good time, I'm out. And so we tried to corner him in. He, was, he had the creek to one side. He had Can Road 8 the other. And, and traffic stopped here. And we're saying stop. And the, the old guy says, if you just leave him go, he's going to go back home. Sure enough, he turned around and ran right back into the pen. So, Thank you, sir. Quarter mile down the road. Horses come home, but sheep, they don't come home. They need to be found. That's why you find here that I can't go to bed. The shepherd says, I've got to go find that sheep. And can I say this? There's a time element to this. I mean, he could say, you know what? I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. First thing in the morning, I'll get up and I'll go back out there and see if I can find that sheep. But there's no indication that there is a time uh, that, he let, uh, let, that he let go by. As soon as he inventoried his sheep, he knew that that one was gone. He knew that this was a time element. I cannot let that sheep stay out there by itself. I have got to go now. And can I say this to our church? Can I say those to that are watching online? Listen, there's people that are dying and going to hell and we need to reach them now. 
We can't wait till next year. We can't wait till next week. It is a time element. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Because the prince in power of the air is wanting to keep them in darkness. I'm saying to the church, I'm saying to those online, make sure you stay focused on not letting time go by to get that gospel out. The time element. And so you find here that these sheep are gone. One, one's gone. One's gone. Oh, how fast it can happen. I thought about saved children, teenagers, saved on the way to heaven. Grew up in a Christian home. Mom and dad taught them the Bible. The Sunday school teacher taught them the Bible. And they learned the Bible stories and they, they memorized for SSBC and they went to vacation Bible school and they had time in church all their life. And then one day, they just started wandering, started getting away from God. As I said, just one step at a time. There's a story that we, we uh, actually a song that we sing, Come Thou Fount. Beautiful, beautiful song. Come Thou Fount. It was written by the man by the name of Robert Robertson. He, can, he, he wrote the words. It was composed later with music. And he got away from God after he wrote, Come Thou Fount. He became basically a, a, a wretched man living for himself and not thinking about eternity or Christ. In the song, in the third stanza, it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let that goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He wrote that song. But in this third stanza, We knew and we can relate and we understand that he knew he could wander away. Years later, he living a wretched life, his own testimony. He gets up into a stagecoach and in the stagecoach, there was a finely dressed lady uh, sitting across from him and she had a, a hymn book and, and she was humming one of the songs out of the hymn book and she was uh, just in a melody uh, just singing this particular song and it was the song, Come Thou Fount. She looked over the song book and to a man sitting across the other side of the stagecoach by this time weeping and, uh, and, and, and visibly shaken by the song. And she says, isn't this the most beautiful song? And his words to her were, I am the wretch that wrote that song. And I would give a thousand worlds if I had it to enjoy the peace that I had. When I wrote it, prone to wonder. Ladies and gentlemen, you're here this morning and you're saved, but like a sheep, you can wander away. So the shepherd shows great compassion. He says, one's gone. I got to go now. 
Honey, where are you going to go? I'm going to go out and find that sheep. But it's dark. I'm going to go find that sheep. But it's stormy. I'm going to go find that sheep. And it's dangerous. I know. But I'm going to go find that sheep. Now, remember who he's speaking to. Jesus is speaking to the publicans and sinners, but he's directing this parable to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he wanted them to know how much one sheep is loved. This sheep may have wandered away. May have wandered away on its own accord. It may have got rebellious and said, I got another way. I got a better way. But no, to the shepherd, that sheep was precious. To the shepherd, it was not just its only one. To that shepherd, that, that sheep was very precious to him. That, the true shepherd, I can say it this way, the true shepherd values every sheep. There's not one sheep that's not precious to the shepherd. Can I just say this to the church? And I know in a congregation this size and those that are online, you can probably bring up in your own mind's eye someone that perhaps you don't like. Someone that just tears you and, and, and just bothers you. And, and you use the, uh, the phrase, well, I love them, but I don't like them, whatever. I've heard that before. I, don't even, I never understood that. But to the shepherd, do you realize he loves everyone, he likes everyone, and he wants everyone back in the fold. And ladies and gentlemen, for those this morning who say, you know what, we could do away with that sheep. We got 200 others. We got 300 others. No, sir. No, ma'am. Listen, in God's eyes and in God's economy, every sheep is important and loved. He loves them all. The good shepherd would never leave a sheep out there to be destroyed. A good shepherd will never leave a shepherd out there to be eaten by wolves. And you find here that he expressed his love by leaving the 90 and 9 and going out and finding that little lost sheep. And I and Levi were talking this week and boy, going through some just some good philosophical conversations and, and my testimony coming up. In a Christian home, a pseudo-Christian home, we never went to church when we got into my teenage years, and I fought my parents, none of that. I, I made my own decisions. I got away from God, and the better part of my teenage years, I spent living for myself into my early 20s in the military, doing the things that the military guys do comfortably, and all that stuff, all that sin, all that misery and heartache getting out of the military, living in a one-room one apartment, and just drinking my life away. And I remember getting back in church for the first time in years, walking down and sitting there in the back row, as far back as I can go, a mess of a man, broken, hurt. And I found out that Jesus still loved me. <sighs> I even after all the stuff I've done, he said, I still love you. And he restored, he restored the sheep. And I'm not what I could have been. I understand that, but I'm a whole lot more than I, I honestly could have been. And I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, that I had, I had Jesus as my savior at five years old. I remember that. I remember standing there Asking my father, Daddy, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. And I remember my dad 
took a Bible and there was an old metal chair in the living room that he opened up, put that Bible out and we sat down and he put his hand on my shoulder and I'm not creating this memory. I remember we lived in a, in a, in a, uh, in a mobile home there in Missouri and, and I remember him leading me to Christ and I prayed the sinner's prayer and I realized at that moment that I, my sins were forgiven. I was on my way to heaven. I know that. I realized that. I enjoyed that. I drew pictures of heaven and I, would gather my stuffed animals and even my girl, my, my sisters and preach to them. Five, six, seven, eight years of age. Trust him as my savior. But Jesus did not really become my shepherd until I was 22. When he's your shepherd, not just your savior, there's a little bit more of an understanding of really how much he loves you and what he did for you. I dare say that there's a lot of people this morning, even in our church today, Jesus is your savior. You're on your way to heaven. And I'm not going to be trite when I say this, but you pray the sinner's prayer and you are led to Christ. I am not in any way saying that you're lost. I'm not saying that at all. You may very well be saved, but he's your savior and you're going to go to heaven and you're going to be saved yet. So as by fire, praise God for that. But has Jesus ever become your, your shepherd where you follow him and you hear his voice. And the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Listen, if you have to get and coerce and tell and push sheep to follow the shepherd, it might be an indication that you're not one of his sheep. This just might be. If you've got to be forced to give God, return God his tithe and his offer, you've got to be forced to pray. If you've got to be forced to read your Bible, if you've got to be forced to come to church, ladies and gentlemen, it may be, yes, you're lost. Though you're saved, you're wandering, but it may be that you're lost and you're not on your way to heaven. He's not even your savior. Can we be very careful on this? But I will say this. The more you understand of what God has done for you, the more you can appreciate him being your shepherd. If someone doesn't come out and get this sheep, that sheep is dead. Now, he leaves. He's looking. I don't know how long he looked for. He probably looked down in valleys. He probably looked over cliffs. He probably called that sheep because that sheep would know the voice of the shepherd. He probably looked in areas that he has not even gone to in years because sheep will go down in those dangerous areas, not knowing where they're going to go. But he's looking and he's searching. And I don't know what it would have been like to be that little sheep knowing I'm dead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be gone. And he hears the voice of the shepherd. Wow, Bob, can you imagine that? I knew he would come. I knew he would come because he loves me because he loves me. That's the compassion of the shepherd. That's the love of God. And though I don't understand it, I will not try to preach the understanding and comprehension of his love. It is impossible to understand that. But do know this, that God is love. I know that. And that I am loved. (laughs) 
because he loves his sheep. And it tells you the kind of love that he has because there was only one gone. And most of the hirelings would have looked at it and said, you know, what's 1%? Really not a big deal. You know, they'll die. There'll be wolf food, lion food tonight. But you know what? You'll thank thank God you got 99 left. A hireling would do that. Hireling would be okay with just cutting the loss. But not the true shepherd. He left the 90 and 9 and went after that one. You know what's interesting about this? It, it doesn't stop here because, as you know, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, and he's committed. In fact, you'll find in verse number 4, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? Now look at the phrase here, and go after. He's going to sacrifice himself. He could be killed. The shepherd. And when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he was killed. He was crucified. He left the courts. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. He left the courts of heaven being the very son of God. And he leaves the courts of heaven. He robes himself in human flesh, born of a virgin in a stable, crucified at 33 or uh, 31, 33 years of age, rejected of his own. And what he says out of seven statements from the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow, what love. What incredible Savior that he knew every hair on our head. He knew the steps that we take. He knew the lost condition of our soul. He knew that if we did not get saved, if a Messiah did not come, all mankind would be going to hell. But he says, I'll go. I will go. That is commitment. And I say, teenagers, you may not understand that, but leaving heaven and coming to this world where you're met with a Herod trying to kill you and slaughtering the firstborn in Bethlehem. That's how he came into this world. What a savior. What a shepherd. This is commitment. And note here in verse number five, I love this because he's going to keep looking and 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 looking until he finds. Everyone, listen, he's looking tonight. He's looking today. He's online looking. He's online looking, ladies and gentlemen. He's looking right now into your heart. He keeps looking. And the Bible says in verse five, and when he hath found it, you know, it's one thing to say when you find it, say, no, and I told you how many times not to wander away. Here you are again. And I almost killed myself coming down that cliff trying to find you. You realize there's a lion right around the corner. I got to deal with that. And there's a bear up on top of that cliff. And I don't even know where the wolves are. This is your problem. I can't believe you did this. How dare you? Now you get back in line. I'm, now, walk, walk. Can you see the shepherd doing that? Oh, no, not the good shepherd. You know what's precious about this? The verse five. Trying to understand the love of God. And this song that they just sang, I can't comprehend it. And listen, you ought to be glad that someone that doesn't like you is not God. 
Okay, you ought to be glad that someone that you hurt is not God. Because we have and are guilty before a holy God. And yet he came for us. And he takes that sheep. Watch what it says in verse 5. And he layeth it on his shoulders. Wow. You're picturing it. I'm trying to picture that. This sheep is now around the shoulders, on the shoulders of the shepherd. You know what that is? Can I just say it this way? For the sheep, it's rest. For the sheep, it's security. Because the shepherd is going to get that sheep back to the fold. (laughs) The greatest thing that I think this morning that we can rejoice in is that we're not having to try to get back to the fold ourselves. We're not here trying to get ourselves to heaven. No, sir. No, ma'am. Two times one sermon. We are on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is going to get us back to heaven. He is going to get us back into the Father's house. He is going to bring us back into the presence of himself. Wow. How you doing? I thought so. Made a real mess of your life here. But I got you now. I got you now. gets home he said I want to show everyone something that I think you ought to know because in verse 6 and when he cometh home he calleth together his friends and, and neighbors he makes some phone calls he gets online sends out a Facebook post I want everyone to know come on over tonight we're going to have a party. We're going to have, we're going to rejoice. Why? He says, rejoice with who? Me. I don't know why he has all these sinners and publicans and he even receives them and he eats with them. He's speaking to the religious crowd and he tells them this parable. He says, I want you to rejoice with me because I'm going after these sinners and publicans. Watch what it says. For I have found my sheep, which was lost. Rejoice. Rejoice. One day, one day, this is all going to be over. One day. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be with our good shepherd. We're going to be walking down streets of transparent gold. We're going to see the mansions. We're going to see the crystal sea. We're going to see the emerald rainbow round about the throne. We're going to see the, we're going to see the river coming out of the throne. We're going to see the tree of life. We're going to enjoy the celestial beings. We're going to be in a new body. I can go through a list of things that we're going to have when we get to heaven. It's going to be enjoyable. 
but we're going to see the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world sitting on his throne. And the Bible says we'll see the wounds, not scars. We're going to see the wounds in his hands. Still glistening with blood. Wounded for you and me. Wounded for our transgressions. Wounded. His stripes. We are healed. That sheep is rescued. It's rescued from danger. And the great shepherd does all that because he loves. He loves. And I don't know what it's like for you this morning. Say, Pastor, man, I, I'm going through it. You realize if you're saved, you're being carried today. You're on his shoulders. I don't feel like I am. You're on his shoulders. He's got good care of you. You're one of his. You're one of his sheep. Say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm away from God this morning. I followed a path that I should not have trod. I, I took some steps in the wrong direction. Can I say this? The shepherd's looking for you. He loves you. And he's risking everything to get you. He wants you back. If you're here, you're online and you're here this morning, say, Pastor, if I died, I don't know if I go to heaven. I am lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we got these Pharisees and these scribes are getting a lesson about something they did not know. And that is the very heart of God. The heart of God. And it does involve the very last part, last point. When we come back home, one day we're going to be rejoicing. We're going to sing this song. I don't know if we're going to sing these hymns. I think we probably would. I don't know. It's not like a Trump thing. I don't know. Um, it did sound like Trump. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I never had the voice sound like that. Does we see that? When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. One day we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be really rejoicing. We're going to remember the days. Oh, COVID? Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. World War II and three and Gog and Magog and Rise of the Antichrist, Mark of the Beast. Oh, yeah. I remember those days. And I'm being a little facetious. I know God's going to wipe away all of our tears. I understand that. But I'm just saying there is going to be a day when we're going to be with our shepherd and we're going to be rejoicing. Listen, what do we do with this? Get the heart of the shepherd. Get the heart of the shepherd. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay? We are commissioned this morning to reach. Go after. Tell. Amen? Compel. I'm using biblical words. That's what we're supposed to be doing now. If you're saved, rejoice in the love that God has for you because it is deep. He doesn't, he doesn't know me. He does know you. He doesn't know what I've done. He does know what you've done. He, you did. He knows it all. He loves you. I made some mistakes. I know. And he still loves you. I followed a wrong path. I know. And he still loves you. I'm lost. And I'm going to hell. Yes, and he loves you too. That's God. That's not Muhammad. 
It's God, Jehovah. And he loves, and he invites, and he welcomes, and he restores, and he looks, and he rescues, and he brings. What a, what a shepherd we serve. What a good shepherd.